Welcome to the GUT Podcast on the recent advances in basic science paper. It is better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. Single cell transcriptomics sheds new light on pancreas biology and disease. Published in paper copy in GUT in June 2023. My name is Dr. Philip Smith, Digital and Education Editor of GUT an honorary consultant gastroenterologist at the Royal Liverpool Hospital, Liverpool, United Kingdom. And I extend a very warm welcome to Professor Cathy Del Giorno from the Cell and Developmental Biology Department, Vanderbilt University, Nashville, Tennessee, USA. Professor Del Giorno is the senior author on this excellent paper. Professor, thanks so much for joining me today to do this podcast. Uh, and congratulations on your superb paper. Firstly, could I ask you to explain the background to your paper on why researching this area is so important? Well, first of all, thank you very much for the invitation. I'm really excited to be here. To talk a little bit about our paper, our manuscript is a review of what we've learned about the pancreas and diseases of the pancreas from single cell technologies. And this includes single cell or single nucleus RNA sequencing and some of the newest spatial profiling techniques. As many of your listeners may be aware, single cell RNA-seq is a relatively new technology that allows us to profile very large numbers of individual cells from complex tissues and organs. By looking at what genes are expressed in each cell and population, we can identify cell types within the tissue as well as cell states, which is an indication of the function of that cell. Despite the relatively recent induction of this technology, this field has actually expanded exponentially in a really small amount of time and has moved beyond cell type classification, such as what immune cells or fibroblasts we might have in the tissue, to profiling pancreatic cancer patient tissues to identify mechanisms of chemotherapy resistance. So you could say that we have this kind of information revolution on our hands because we now have a really large amount of data on what cell types make up the pancreas, cell states, and how this changes throughout disease progression. And it's really the expansion of computational biology that's allowed us to make all kinds of predictions as to where a group of cells, so let's say cancer cells, for example, come from, so which cells are seeding this cancer, and then how might they change in response to chemotherapy. So our review is particularly important because of just how much information is now out there. We've tried to take this and put it into a digestible form for the readers. So our paper breaks this down into what we see as the most important information that the field needs to understand and move forward. And because of how much is now out there and what a challenging topic this is, this was a difficult area to summarize. And I'd like to give a lot of credit to the first author on this paper, Amelia Cephas, who's a graduate student in my laboratory at Vanderbilt. Indeed. I mean, it's superb what Amelia and your colleagues and yourself have achieved in this paper. Could you explain what are the new findings that your paper has highlighted? Sure, I'd be happy to. So our review summarizes the main messages from single cell or single nucleus RNA sequencing studies that were performed on either the normal pancreas or different disease states, such as pancreatitis and pancreatic cancer. We highlight studies describing exactly what populations are present in these states, so what epithelial and immune and fibroblast populations make up the normal pancreas or an injury state or early tumor genesis, and then how they change as disease progresses to cancer. And this encompasses both basic biology to pancreas and translational work. So for example, 
Not too long ago, there was a study out of Germany by Tosti et al. that shows there's quite a lot more epithelial heterogeneity in the human exocrine pancreas than previously appreciated. The authors found that Asner cells, which are these digestive enzyme-producing cells in the pancreas, actually exist in different states under homeostatic conditions, where some are quiescent, others are likely producing really large volumes of digestive enzymes, and others still express genes associated with disease progression. And this opens up a lot of different questions. For example, whether this third population is more likely to progress to cancer than the other two, for example. We also highlight studies from my laboratory and that of a co-author, Oren Parnas, where we've shown that these Asner cells will undergo metaplasia under conditions of chronic injury or oncogenic mutation to not just become tumor cells eventually throughout tumor genesis, but also in early disease states, they become differentiated cell populations, such as tough cells or enteroendocrine cells. And these are cell types that have the ability to interact with the stroma and direct disease progression. This is really interesting because it shows quite a lot more epithelial plasticity in the pancreas, which is thought to lack a stem cell population than is previously appreciated. On the translational side, we highlighted studies of how the stroma, such as cancer-associated fibroblasts or immune cells, change as pancreatic cancer develops. Broadly, all of these studies combined show a replacement in both populations from a pro-inflammatory milieu to an immunosuppressive infiltrate dominated by myeloid-derived suppressor cells and exhausted T cells, which have been shown to be pro-tumorigenic. We also highlight studies of naive and chemotherapy pancreatic cancer samples from patients, including a study by another co-author, William Huang. His study applied these technologies to a large number of patient samples and identifies how chemotherapy changes the tumor. Excellent. So, Mary, thank you very much for that. A lot of our listeners are clinicians, so how might this, um, this work impact potentially on clinical practice do you see in the foreseeable future? So in my opinion, the most immediate implication that clinicians will have a refined taxonomy with which to stratify their patients for therapy. So these single cell technologies have allowed researchers to identify many types of pancreatic cancer. Each individual patient's cancer is not the same at the molecular level. So different types of pancreatic cancer are not going to respond to the same therapy in the same way. Some will be more susceptible and others will be more resistant. So by stratifying patients' cancers by type with distinct therapeutic vulnerabilities, clinicians can choose a therapy specific to that cancer type, and there's a greater chance of first-line chemotherapy working. A second important contribution of single-cell analyses to clinical practice is that we can better identify mechanisms of chemoresistance. Studies, such as that by Dr. Wang, assess how cancers change and survive in response to therapy. Identifying vulnerabilities in these induced states will allow for combination therapies that co-target both the initial molecular vulnerabilities of that type of pancreatic cancer and the induced state from the chemotherapy. And this combination therapy will ideally be a much stronger tactic to kill the cancer. Excellent. Thank you. Um, so how might this work impact on research priorities in the foreseeable future? I think this will impact research priorities in many ways. The first being that maybe we should now be thinking less about what individual proteins are expressed in a tissue or disease state and more about what cell types are present. So for example, are we seeing a different phenotype in a given knockout mouse because of um, pancreas disease having less tough cells or enteroendocrine cells, for example? 
or because we've impacted their function or ability to form. Building on that, we should be paying attention to what state these cells are in. Are they pro or anti-inflammatory? Are they pro or anti-tumorigenic? Fibroblast populations, for example, are likely not fixed and can change their function in response to the microenvironment. Now that we have these studies identifying what populations of cells are present in the normal pancreas and in disease states like pancreatitis and pancreatic cancer, the field needs to identify what the function of these populations are. We can then look at how to induce the formation of these populations or how to induce preferable polarization states of these fibroblasts or tough cells to harness the inflammatory functions or anti-tumorigenic actions of these populations and then help the body fight disease. Brilliant. Well, I, I mean, I think um, it's a fantastic paper that uh, you and your colleagues have published. Uh, and so I want to thank you, Professor Del Giorno, for doing this podcast today, but also congratulate you and all of your co-authors on a fantastic paper being published in GUT. To our listeners, if you've not read the paper, then I highly recommend that you do. The link of which um, to the paper is directly underneath this podcast today. And of course, please do join us again in the future for further gut podcasts. Thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm.